Welcome friends, I'm so glad you're here. My name's Savannah Ritchie and this is from Olive to Oil Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom, a licensed professional clinical counselor, and just an average person trying to figure out how to do life with the Lord daily. This is an inclusive space where we share about refining moments in our life that God uses for His glory. I'm so grateful for your support and to have you listening. All right, welcome C. This is from Olive to Oil podcast. I have my friend Sienna Curtin with me. She is a boy mom, social worker, wife, and child of God. Sienna, thanks for being with me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. I know. I'm excited too. And I already, I feel like I already want to start by just like laughing because I know we have to share like how we met and <laughs> we have so many funny memories just with how we met. So I feel like I'm going to have the giggles and it's like late, you guys. It is late. <laughs> how old is Casey now? Um, I have almost three. Well, he just turned two months. Two months, you guys. She is a second time mother of a two month old boy mm-hmm. and just blessing us with her time. So I'm shocked. We are drinking a little bit of coffee, even though I'm not sure how that's going to affect me. I don't drink a ton of coffee. And like I said, it's 8.30 p.m., but we're here and, and we're super excited. So thank you, C. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, thank you. Tell us who you are, who your people are, what your life looks like, and where it all happens. Yeah, my name is Sienna Curtin. I am, like you said, a boy mom. I have a two-month-old and an almost three-year-old, Casey and Clayton. I'm married to my husband, Andrew. We've been married for six-plus years. I grew up in a small town of Corsgold, California. It's in the foothills by Yosemite. Uh, For my job, I'm a school social worker, so I work with students in foster care as well as students experiencing homelessness. And also I do a little work for a foster family agency. I do some program development. So I get to live out my mission Mm. from God, not just in being a wife and a mother, but also in my profession. So I'm just so blessed that I get to encounter and meet so many people and be able to just share Um, God with them and be able to speak about, you know, things that God has done in my life. And that's why when you started this podcast, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is such a great opportunity to just share what's going on in normal average Christian lives that we can touch each other and, and help others. Yeah, I love it. Okay. So like I mentioned, always got to share about how we met. So it has been over 10 years now. I know. Oh, wow. I know. Over (laughs) 10 years, I said last time, I keep aging myself when I have to tell these stories, but I, Sienna and I played basketball in college together at Fresno Pacific. And you guys, to me, I was trying to think back on like a specific memory. You guys, to me, since I was a freshman, obviously, were like a C of the team. It was just a lot of you guys at once. And then I always forget that I was the only freshman my year. I think it was, well, it was me. And then I think there were two, like, older recruits. Either had come from a JC or... I don't even know. Yeah, I guess like transfers. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I have to turn the tables this time and ask, do you have a specific memory of meeting me for the first time? I don't know if I have a specific memory of meeting (laughs) you, but what I will say is during our practices, 
your presence was always felt mm. because you did have you were injury ridden. Mm. So even if you couldn't be on the court, your presence was still felt because yeah. you were you were there, you were active, you were keeping score, and you just had the biggest personality. Like I just remember you singing randomly oh, and yeah. Um, as you're doing score, you're just so such an animated person. So as we're going through like this intense practice, I remember being able to look at you and just you would bring a smile to my face because of whatever thing you were doing that was maybe a little ridiculous at times. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. No, I know. I literally now looking back, I'm like, what made you think you could do that, Savannah? That was my sophomore <laughs> year. So that wasn't even my freshman year. Thank God. I probably would have been long gone. That was my second and I was hurt. And yes, I was official scoreboard keeper. <laughs> but I remember because we practice at literally 4am that yeah. I would lay yes. on top of the scoreboard, whatever, <laughs> bent, like it wasn't a bench. It's like the platform, the, scoreboard, the scoreboard table. Yeah, the scoreboard table. I would just lay on it. And like, I didn't want to say school. that because I don't want to embarrass you, but that's what I meant by ridiculous face. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and like, no one told me to get off the table is, <laughs> is the bigger thing, though. Yeah, no, not embarrassed. It's okay. Okay, so yeah, that was my sophomore year. But freshman year, I do remember you were like an unexpected fast person. I remember in all of our training, I'm like, you're you were up there at the front. I say unexpected, you guys, because she's not like in basketball. You think of the really short, tiny people like the point guards. They're going to be like leading the pack in the beginning. But C is like a shooting guard and you're like mid height, right? Would you say mm -hmm. pretty average? Yeah. But for college basketball, I guess still kind of short. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she was like you're faster than some of our point guards, dare I say. You're just up there. You're working. And I know we'll get to that. She's a worker. That's bee. part of my story. Yeah, that's part so. of her story, you guys. She was up there in the front. And I was like, again, it's 4 a.m. She's, she's doing too much. <laughs> she's doing too much, you guys. But, oh, okay. I won't get us too sidetracked because I know we yeah. can talk about these oh. memories forever. But, yeah, yeah they were good ones. Mm hmm. Got me reminiscing now. <laughs> I know. Okay, let's reroute. So before that, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to know Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my background, I grew up in a Christian home. So I was a 90s Christian baby. So for hey. those of you that grew up in the 90s in a Christian Veggie home, tales? you I was gonna say it. Veggie oh, tales. Sorry. We got the Christian Veggie camps. Tales. We got a we got Awanas with the patches mm. and the awards. I went to Awana camp a few times. Uh, camp Sugar Pine. I'm I'm talking all the '90s fun, and that was what I grew up in. I also grew went to a Christian school at mm. kindergarten through fourth grade. So our local church had a school, and I was I attended it for about five years until it closed down. So I had a background in, in Jesus. I knew about God. I knew the Bible stories. It was integrated into my early childhood. I accepted Jesus into my heart at the age of five. And then I also had a spiritual experience when I was around eight years old, where I was coming home from a camp and it was like a vacation Bible school. And I was just learning about God. And since I lived in the mountains, it's so beautiful. My dad was driving his old Mustang convertible. Hmm. And I'm looking up at the stars and I'm looking at just God's beauty and just remembering like how much he loves me. And 
I felt a warm presence with me in the back of the car and I looked down and on my hand, I saw another hand that had a hole in it. And, you know, Jesus's hand, he was crucified and had, was nailed in his hands. And I saw that and I looked next to me and I just saw an iridescent, just beautiful figure. And I knew it was Jesus that was there with me. Mm. And I felt God in my life at a very young age. I had a very childlike faith. Mm. In the Bible, it talks about how we should have faith like a child. And I had it. I was mm. believing in God, loving God. And I mean, I want to also pause and encourage any mama right now. Mm. I was five. I was eight years old when I had these awesome experiences in my life with God, that even though as we get through my story a little bit, I walked away from God, I backslid, I had moments where I wasn't walking in space with him. Those memories of his presence was something that always drew me back to God. Mm. So for you mamas out there, you're planting so many seeds in your kids when you're reading them the gospel, when you're teaching them the Bible, when you're teaching them those Bible stories. I had that rooted and planted in me and it was just such a strong foundation to be built on yeah. and so that's a little bit about like how I grew up and that's when, when I was really young and there's more to it but yeah I just I'm getting chills now thinking about it because I was so young and God was so present in my life yeah kids are not unaware like the whole <laughs> The Veggie Tales reference. I more so had family living out that experience, close cousins to me. Mm. I did go, ours wasn't called Awanas though, ours was called Gems. So I did have the little badge experience and went to a few vacation Bible studies, but I got to see it. And yeah, like you're saying, it plants it plants those seeds. Kids are not mm -hmm. unaware of what's happening mm -hmm. around them. I think that's something mm -hmm. for a long time. People have thought they're too young. They won't understand. Maybe mm -hmm. not necessarily when it comes to Jesus, but just environmental things happening. Yep. And I feel like that's very similar. Whereas when I got older, maybe mm -hmm. I didn't have that those spiritual experiences in my childhood or necessarily the same church background but you you remember god started something and he's gonna see it through and you remember those things those songs like i just sang <laughs> the veggie yeah. tales or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the dances that went with all the mm -hmm. other 90s songs mm -hmm, kevin mm -hmm. always laughs at me because i always do like the pharaoh pharaoh yeah absolutely yeah, prince of dance. egypt that yeah. animated movie was so good i didn't even see that movie but at my grandparents church they just did that and i just like to dance so you're like doing it but all that to say like kids are such sponges they mm -hmm. cling on mm -hmm. and then yep. you get to a place when you're 18 years old and, and you have this song in the back of your mind that you don't know where it came from or even exactly what it meant but it's it's something that you can draw back on so all that to say Beautiful. love mm -hmm. everything you're saying about encouraging mm -hmm moms mm -hmm. with young kiddos because yeah it does matter absolutely and i mean the bible says train up a child mm. in the way they should go and yeah. they won't depart they will not depart from it and that's my story i mean mm. i did depart in moments but i was brought back to god and even just now in in a better place than i ever have been in my relationship with god i feel like a kid again and that's an amazing part of god he can wipe away any areas that we have regrets where we he takes away our shame our guilt because i'm thinking about wow i was a child i yeah. what, what would have happened if i would have stayed on fire for god but mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because you know what i'm here now and whatever i've been through is a part of my story 
and our testimony has so much power. And just even in talking tonight, um, I'm hoping that some can relate to some of the battles that I faced. Yeah. And God ultimately helped me overcome. And it's just been such a wonderful journey. Mm. Okay, so how old were you when the church, you, did you say it got torn down? Oh, the church school. Yeah, oh, it was school. in fourth okay. grade. So okay. I went I went to a fifth grade public school and okay. I was so sheltered that I freaked out. Okay. And I told my mom, like I went, I went for like a week and I was like, I can't do this. So I homeschooled for a year. And then I took the leap and I went back to public school and I finished out my school years at our public schools in the mountains. Wow. Okay. What's coming to my mind right now is like, how is that transition from the prior Christian school to the public school? But in mm-hmm. what you shared about mm-hmm. not feeling like you could do it, I feel like mm-hmm. that's, that's already telling of what your experience was like. Yeah. And that speaks to kind of what I'm going to talk about tonight is the battle that I've Mm. experienced. Like my battle that I have experienced throughout my life is insecurity. Mm -hmm. So growing up, like I told you, I, I knew God, I had these experiences with God, his presence, but I kind of fell into this rhythm of the Bible is I know the stories. Um, I know what I'm supposed to do, right? So as a kid, you want to do the right thing. You want to have the success. You want to do well in school. And I got so focused on that religiosity of like doing and having good morals, Mm. doing the right thing that I knew God, but I didn't build my relationship on him in a way where he was my security. I felt security from my successes, my acknowledgement from others. And I was really shy and I had low self-esteem. So for me, getting attention was when I did well. Mm. And that was a big part of what led me to be that worker bee. Like you were Mm. talking about earlier is I just had this work ethic that I kept within me because if I didn't do well, if I failed, I would beat myself up internally. Um, when I had a good day, I slept okay. But when I had a day where maybe somebody made fun of me, or I said something that was kind of embarrassing, mm-hmm. I would replay it over and over again. And many crying nights, many mm-hmm. nights where I'm just feeling horrible about myself. And just there's like, I don't know, I had like an internal merit system. And it was rigged because I could never like feel mm-hmm. good about where I was at and what I was doing I always had to like keep going for more and it was unhealthy it was an unhealthy rhythm and pattern that I I really carried with me and I'm still battling it now but I'm more aware of it now yeah so it's something I battle um and have gone through a lot of challenges with my insecurities so is that something that started in middle school then elementary school middle school age I would say so. I'd say when you're kind of getting to that age where socialization, you know, Mm. boys are liking girls a little (laughs) bit more and just never feeling good about myself. And middle school was a a time. And I found I found security in like sports and sports teams. And high school is really where I had some struggles. I had a little good, a good group of friends going. Um, I had sports. I had school my I was always getting really good grades and um this is where basketball entered my life I actually didn't really play basketball I played a little bit and then in high school is when I was recruited the basketball team that's so wild yeah it it is wild because I had it in my life when I was little but I didn't really like it wasn't my sport volleyball was actually my sport 
Yeah, that's so funny. Because I feel like everyone you meet in that college sport, you just assume that they played since they were like four. Or like, Mm -hmm. I grew up with a basketball in my hands. But I think it's Mm -hmm. also, especially to be there at the private Christian school, when you just kind of unravel everyone's stories, it's like, God, you knew what you were doing. But like, it doesn't even make sense. But again, I think that's why you look back and you're like, wow, he he really knows what he's doing, where Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be at what Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. And then we all get to meet each other and have intertwined Mm -hmm. testimonies. Oh, yes. I love it. Um, I love that intertwinedness. And that's just the beauty of God. It's like we were going through these messes, this chaos, but he threaded it into our lives and it integrated. And now we're, we're all kind of, a lot of our friends are kind of walking in this journey of really finding God, really knowing God now. And it's fun to watch. Okay. So you get recruited in high school. What happens then? Yeah, get recruited because, you know, any school you go to, if you're kind of athletic and playing another sport, they always ask you to come out. So it's like, okay, cool. I'll come out. And little did I know that the program, the basketball program at high school was very successful. And it wasn't just about basketball. It was a community. Hmm. And something I didn't really mention yet was I was always looking for things to kind of keep me out of the house, Mm -hmm. to keep me busy. Part of my insecurity came from... Um, maybe some insecurity in my home life and Mm. some challenges that my parents were facing, some of their own battles that they were facing in their own lives. That for me, I felt like I can't be a burden. I have to get Mm. out. I have to keep myself busy. So I am not so much on them because they were going through a lot. And I'm not going to go too deep into that tonight just for the sake of time. But yeah, there was challenges. There was mental health challenges. There were things that they battled and and I'm okay. I'm out of the house. I'm working hard. I kind of felt like I'm going to have to take care of myself. It's kind mm. of this internal feeling I had. And I feel horrible that as a child, I felt that way, yeah. but I did, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to have to do something. I need to get to college. Yeah. So I wanted to use sports and school to get me to college. Yeah. And basketball was that opportunity for me. I found a community and they were really invested into us, not just as athletes, but as people. And mm-hmm. the fa- the family, the coach that ran the program, he just put his whole heart and soul into it. And his whole family was involved. His wife, his kids, they were all around the program. It's a small town, right? So we're, we're all really close knit. And when I found that, it just felt like I was seen. I, I was heard. Somebody was acknowledging me, right? I needed that acceptance from others, which now telling myself again, I'm like, you could have got that from God first. Mm. That's where it's supposed the acceptance is supposed to come from. But I, I was looking for affirmation from outside. Yeah. And yeah, I um, joined the basketball program. I actually started on the freshman team. And I'm like, I love this sport. So I'm going to keep, I wor- I went to every workout, did whatever I could. Right. And I, I got pulled up to JV. And then for uh, playoffs, they pulled me up to varsity, which that just doesn't happen. Right. I made three teams in one year. Oh, that was all your freshman year. Yeah. That was just oh, okay. my freshman year. Yeah. 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 That doesn't normally happen. So for me, I was like, okay, there's something here. Mm. And that led me to just continue to work hard. And I was always in the gym. Um, And this is part of my story that really has, you know, played an influence in my life is during that time and working hard, the coach at the time of the freshman JV team, he was a young adult male and he was 25 years old. Mm. And 
I was always working out and it started to kind of bring up this appearance that was not looking good to like outside community. Yeah. People started to kind of talk a little bit about that like player coach relationship. And it actually led to in the middle of my sophomore year, I got called into the office and the athletic director and the vice principal are there and they called me in. And the first thing they said to me is, we know about your romantic relationship with your coach. It's not your fault. Like, just tell us everything that's happened. We already know because we've had people come and tell us what's going on. And so we just need to hear it from you. And my heart just, I didn't know how to take that because I'm a goody two shoes. I follow the rules. Like I was literally working hard, trying to seek out community and trying to work myself to my the next level. Yeah. And I just was being accused of something that was nowhere near true. I will pause though, because as a coach, I coached after I played in yeah. college, I coached for like four or five years. There were boundary issues that I, as a coach was aware of because of what happened to me, right? We don't go in alone in the gym player to coach, especially male to female. Yeah. That was, that's a big no-no, right? But in the mountains, small town, it was different back then. Mm. And I don't want to go too into those details because, you know, it was then and this is now. But the fact that I was being accused of something so big, everyone in the school knew about it. It was no one on the team talked to me. It wasn't addressed with the team. I had a game that week and he was just gone. And it was just devastating. And I was like at the point where I'm like, do I keep going? Or do I quit? But I just had that, like, you know what? It's not true. I'm going to keep fighting for that. Because if I stop, people are, you know, going to think it really happened. And so then there was an investigation. It was a huge thing. People were interviewed. Records from our phones were taken. It was a big oh deal. Oh, my gosh. That's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to rewind because I feel like, this story gives you like whiplash. You're like, wait, d- did I miss something? Or like what happened here? Yeah. And essentially yeah. what you're saying is I am a middle school kid seeking just friends, community, mm-hmm. validation mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. world. Um, I get into high school, have a lot going on at home. I'm just trying to stay out of the house because I have my own family trauma happening simultaneously And so, like, you talked about being a little bit sheltered. That's not the first thing. Boundaries probably (laughs) are not the first thing on your mind. You're like, I'm just trying to get in the gym as much as I can be. I'm getting up extra shots. I'm working out, getting extra minutes, extra time to just pour my all into the sport that I feel like is a way out for me. I'm not thinking about the responsibility an adult has to be aware of mm-hmm. boundaries um, that should mm-hmm. be in place in a position of authority, really. Mm-hmm. And so what you're describing is that whole system essentially failed you and then it gets put back on you. And I just want to make that clear because I feel like, like I said, you can kind of get whiplash from that story and be like, wait, yep. did I miss something? What happened? Mm-hmm. And no. Mm-hmm. You were just playing basketball and Mm -hmm. unfortunately this Mm -hmm. whole narrative began to be created, reinforced and led to a series of, like you said, investigations, questioning, Mm -hmm. interrogations. And we know what that does to your nervous system, to your Mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. huge. 
Yeah, thank you for reframing that for me. And I just, you know, in our professions, it's, Mm -hmm. we talk about these things, we talk about trauma with our kids and our clients that we work with a lot. And it's even just helpful to hear you reframe that for me, uh, and empowering for me to hear the way you shared a little bit about my story. Um, And it, it was a big part of my life. And it was a it was a hiccup, but I didn't let it stop me. And I'm thankful to God for that. I, at this time, I guess I can talk a little bit about where God was at my life in my life. Mm -hmm. He was in a box that I knew God, I knew about him, but I felt like I had to take ownership of my own life to get myself to where I needed to be, to ultimately become secure. So he's over here. I'm like, okay, God, I'm following the rules. I'm doing what you need me to do. And I almost felt like in that moment, I was like, okay, justice is God's at this point. Cause I was Mm. following the rules. Like I was doing what I needed to do. And so I kind of left it to his hands in a way, but not, I mean, again, I had a false sense of security in my accolades and my successes. And that was kind of taken away from me overnight. And I had felt like I had to rebuild myself because I, lo- mm. I, I didn't mention I lost all my friends. Yeah, I really didn't have a lot of friends throughout the rest of high school. No boys wanted to like date or talk to me because yeah. of this whole situation. And so I'm feel already feeling, you know, down about myself. And yeah. I'm thankful to God now that I can reflect on it and look on that time and say, wow, look at the strength, look at what I was able to get through and how that has helped me now. And also helped me find my career because I mm. felt like basketball and school for me was an outlet that allowed me to grow, to be, um, to find an opportunity to be in college. So when I graduated, I wanted to give back. And so I wanted to help. I wanted to be a help in the helping profession and somehow because basketball and that helped me. So here, you know, it kind of, God worked it. God always works it for our good because now I'm in a job where I get to be a social worker. I get to meet with students who are high school students going through those life challenges and I get to be in space with them talk and share with them something I wished I would have had now I get to do that for for the kids I work with part of what comes to my mind is giving them a voice because even in that whole situation Mm -hmm. you didn't have a voice I remember you shared with me even as you denied it or tried to tell just a story of what was actually happening it was like Mm -hmm. they, they never believed you or you you never yep. got to actually be heard. It was just like it kind of moved on. You got to stay on the yep. team. Like you said, coach was removed and it was just something that was taken at face value. You were actually never heard. So I imagine part of your work is empowering students, giving them a space and a voice and a chance to be heard. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. So that's sophomore year. Yeah. That's sophomore year. Okay. So you get to stay on the team. Like we said, mm-hmm. what is the yeah. rest of those three years of high school? Like pretty lonely. Um, I didn't mention that the investigation did get cleared and he ended up coaching. Um, but okay. I was, he was the JV coach and by then I was on varsity. So yeah. that wasn't an issue. Um, at that point it was like, everything moved on. And no one approached me, no one talked to me about it. So it was kind of like that undercurrent 
thing that happened, right? But now I'm moving into junior, senior year. And it was, it was pretty lonely, but I found certain people to connect with and just staying involved with sports and school kept me busy. So I was able to keep myself busy during that time. And when college hit, I was just so ready to start over. Um, and I was, I was able to get a scholarship basketball and academic to FPU and as a Christian school, I was so looking forward to that because I had that background, right? And like, okay, I'm going to be back in a Christian space. I'm going to be with others who have similar beliefs as I do. And it was that way freshman and sophomore year. I got to build myself back up to a place where I actually felt really secure, really good about my friendships my connections, my schooling, basketball. I I was in a really good place freshman and sophomore year. And then uh, junior year hit. (laughs) Oh no, that's when I got there. (laughs) Oh, you never knew. Okay, that's okay. You didn't know the freshman, sophomore Sienna. That's okay. So my junior year hit. I'm staying on campus the summer before school starts and I'm about to be 21. Mm. Okay, and remember what I said, I'm a rule follower. So 21 is a rule and I didn't want to break that rule. So I did a good job staying away from partying. You know, I would be too afraid to even do anything remotely wrong, but 21 was coming and I was there over summer and I actually didn't hang out a lot with the basketball team freshman and sophomore year (laughs) because they partied. (laughs) Sorry guys. Sorry teammates. Love you all. But I stayed away from it. You know, I I kept space from that because for me, I was not, that wasn't something I wanted to get involved in. Mm-hmm. But junior year, I had the opportunity to drink and I liked it. I got mm. this, I was quiet. You might not be able to tell from today because I'm pretty outspoken now, but <laughs> I was so shy. I was so quiet. I would choke on my own voice, like holding things back. Mm. And alcohol, literally, they say liquid courage, right? Mm. It gave me liquid courage. It gave me a boldness and a confidence that I had never walked in before. Mm. And it was putting me in spaces with people and places that I never thought I could be a part of. And it was like that seeking of what I lost in high school, being a part of a cool crowd, being a part of hanging with the people who are having fun and having a good time. It, It became a social drinking. It became a part of my life. Yeah, And it was unhealthy and, you know, I can look back on it now and say, you know, I have a better relationship with alcohol now, but I I did not then. And it took me to a place where I did spiral and kind of became dependent on it for any social situation Mm. because it helped embolden me and I felt like a different person. Mm. And, you know, looking back, I'm, I'm sad that I felt like I had to do that to drink, to become a different person, to be accepted. Yeah. But it's where I was at. Yeah. I think conversations we have had in the past, well, I guess first I would say, because now I work Mm -hmm. with college age, right? College Mm -hmm. population. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really unfortunate as adults, we look back doing things like drinking socially or Mm -hmm. hanging out, I don't know, at the same place Mm -hmm. as everyone else is hanging out. That's so camouflage. Everyone's doing that. You would never guess to ask, pull someone inside and say, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Or I notice you are maybe not necessarily acting like yourself or, you know, something's off. And it's really unfortunate that a lot of college students or when we're at that, you know, age miss that. 
because everyone's doing it so no one's mm-hmm. truly standing mm-hmm. out unless it's mm-hmm. like extreme and even then maybe not because a lot mm-hmm. of people hit extreme places at that time um mm-hmm. of their mm-hmm. lives so mm-hmm. all that to say i think mm-hmm. it's something we've collectively as adults now like grieved mm-hmm. together to mm-hmm. say i wish i knew this mm-hmm. was happening with you or I wish this was mm-hmm. going on. I wish this mm-hmm. was the space you were drinking from. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't even know if we have young listeners on here, but if so, yeah. I yeah. would so encourage, like we did not have the language or knowledge back then just to check in with each other. But mm-hmm. now it is something I'm so grateful for. Kids are really talking about it. Mm-hmm. They're talking mm-hmm. about mental health. They're checking in on their friends. They're asking what's going on. And that makes my heart so happy. I needed that. You needed that. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, that was not our time. So no one checks in on you, really. No Mm -hmm. one asks you what's going on because now Mm -hmm. you just probably look more normal because you're doing the Mm -hmm. things everyone else is is doing. Mm -hmm. What happens Mm -hmm. after that? Yeah, I find myself in this space where I graduate, right? Mm -hmm. I finished my four years. I am in that place where I'm going to transition to getting a job. So... I find a job at a foster family agency, just working part-time. My goal is to go back to grad school and be a special ed teacher, but God redirected that plan because when I started working at the foster family agency, I just fell in love with the population and just hearing these kids' stories, hearing what they had to go through, it put my life and story in perspective, Mm -hmm. which I think made me minimize a lot of my trauma too, but I've Mm. gone back and worked through it, right? Because they're dealing with big T, big T trauma. But I felt called to that population and and being able to work with them because I saw the need and the system, you know, is so broken. Mm -hmm. So however, as I'm speaking about it, I was building my security up in my job, in my profession. Um, so I start working there and I start coaching at a pretty good, well-known basketball program in the Central Valley. And I'm coaching, I'm working, I'm busy, I'm balancing both and getting to have fun on the weekends, right? Work hard, play hard. That was mm. kind of a real anthem in my life. And it, for me, my relationship with God did not grow. It didn't grow because I wasn't in space with him. I was not building relationship with him. I knew he was there. I knew he was present. And now I'm starting to do some of those things that I know he says not to do in his word. And now I'm kind of in a stage of rebellion. Mm. Coming back to God when I need it. You know how we treat God sometimes as a genie, like he's the genie in the bottle when we really need him. That's when we come back. That's what I would do. I would go through that cycle of, I got this. I can do this all on my own. And then I'm crashing down and praying God to God. And he's so gracious to have walked me through those ups and downs and that, and that roller coaster of a season in my life. Um, I start dating my husband, my now husband, and I'm dating, I'm working. I end up actually... This is where I found out I have a nerve tumor. Um, mm. So I found out I was having some trouble with my um, bowels and my bladder. And I went to the doctor and there was a nerve tumor that is the size of a cantaloupe in my pelvis. So that was 2016. We found that out. My world stopped. I went from, I have it all. It's all under control to crashing down like health really matters, right? And you don't pay attention to it until you're presented with that moment of what's going to happen. This is in my uterus. I'm even thinking, 
what's going to happen for children, yeah. right? And is it, is it cancerous? Like, what could it be? And so I go down this journey of finding out what it is. Meanwhile, I'm not stopping my busy life because I'm still coaching and working, but yeah. they found out what it was and I did have to stop everything for a while. And I got a, a huge surgery and it was a long recovery, but thank God he was there with me every step of the way. And that really prompted me to start digging again into my relationship with God, not just having him on the box on the side, putting him in my life and actually having to depend on him. And when I did that, I had so much peace during that surgery time. And I know that was from God. He gave me that peace, that reassurance that my life has a purpose and he's not done with me yet. Mm -hmm. And I walked out that journey getting closer to God, getting more in space with him. And that's where I decided to also during that healing time, I started consulting God about my decisions because mm. most of my decisions up to this point, I'm not consulting God, not bringing him in. But this time I was like, okay, God, I'm stopping my career. Is this where you want me to be? Is, are these the, pop is this the population you want me to work with? Yeah. And that's where I got the green light from him to get my master's degree and start pursuing social work in a higher level. And so I'm just, I'm blessed from that time because of what came out of it. The fruit that came out of that season of me really relying and depending on God. And I saw that fruit happen and I slowly start to bring myself back to God. I'm not perfect though, because I'm still, you know, socially yeah. drinking and engaging in some things I probably shouldn't have been at the time, but I was getting there, right? Yeah. I'm on this journey and I'm, I'm finding God again in a different way in my adult life. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that story story of how you got your yes, like asking about the population. Something you were alluding to, I know you want to talk about it a little bit. We haven't talked about it yet, but mm -hmm. um, with the insecurity, a lot of decisions mm -hmm. you are making throughout your life were on the basis of pride. And I know you are a mixed race as myself, but part of that being white. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be really careful as Christians when we go into working with those populations, either, you know, in group homes or foster agencies, et cetera. So how do you hold that tension of like savior complex or white savior complex and yep. ministry, right? And working from a place of pride, I imagine mm -hmm. that helps kind of add some fuel to that fire of savior complex because I'm, you're doing it from the spirit of, of you. I'm helping mm -hmm. them. I'm awesome. Right. I'm great. Right. But getting that yes from God and him mm -hmm. placing you there, right? Mm -hmm. That's when it becomes ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I want to hit on that Savannah. Um, pride. Pride started to take hold in my life. And what happens with really insecure individuals is if they don't work on that security and, and if we don't put our security in God, anytime an insecure person gets accomplishments, gets accolades, mm. gets successful, yeah. things happen in their life, it builds up that ego, right? Mm -hmm. Of Oh, okay, I can do this. Like, yeah. it's me. Oh, yeah. yeah, that savior complex. And I for sure had that. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate that this time to be able to say, Yeah, that was me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was in that space. And that will that's part not 100 percent right, right but right. that was part of what was going on yeah. in my life at that time because i wasn't relying on god and so for me i was like all these things are going well i'm doing well and it built up it built me up to this place where i had to get torn down again and 
that was that happened to me in 2020 2019 so 2019 uh I was at my school I I finished getting my master's degree. I was working for my current position I'm in. I take on the head coaching job at that school. Mm. And so I am just in a constant state of busyness, constant state of hustle, no breaks in between this all I'm getting married, right? There's a lot of transitions and things I'm doing in my life, but it's kind of like that arrogance. Like I got this, like I can do it. Yeah. And culture. Hustle culture, I needed to be broken down of that. And God took me there. I had to be humbled. And that happened to me. So 2019, I actually had, me and my husband started to try for children. And I got pregnant. And I ended up having a miscarriage. In the middle of, like, coaching season was about to start. My first year head coaching. I'm balancing my job. and, And this happens to us. And I was devastated. But... God turns all things for good. And I had somebody in my space who came alongside me and said, Sienna, you cannot go at this pace. Mm. You need to look at, are you really ready for children? Because your body is the place where that child is going to grow Mm. and is where your body is coming from. And if you cannot slow yourself down, it's not going to go well for you. Mm. And I'm telling you, find yourself somebody who will speak a word of exhortation in your life because we need that. And I needed to hear that at that time. And so following that thread, I ended up having a little bit later that month, a manic episode. Um, So I I had a manic episode. Uh, Mania runs in my family, actually. It's something generationally that that is in my family. Right. And so I, I had broke. And I knew I'm a social worker, right? And I'm like, I know what's going on. And it was accompanied by some psychosis too. And I am like half aware of what's happening, but then the mania is taking over. And I had to be broken to that point where I'm like, I know all about, I've learned all about these things. I have the knowledge. I am not applying this in my life. Mm. I am not really applying and walking out what I know about psychology, what I know about this field, but then also what I know about God. I was not walking that out. And thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to my decisions, the place I took myself to, to have that happen. I had to be broken down. There's no other way to kill. It says in the Bible, pride comes before the fall. I had to fall. I had to fall on my face to a place where it was only Jesus that was going to help me get back up. Um, So I'm going down, I'm slowing to a stop and I'm like, okay, God, Mm. this is the time because I, I can't do this on my own. Like I did finish out my commitments of coaching and I actually found out I was pregnant that week, the last week I was coaching of my last games. So God brought that redemption and he Mm. knew that that was the time and the season that it needed to happen. And then COVID hit 2020 Mm. and COVID means so much for many different people, right? It's a time of intense grieving. It's a time of intense fear. So I don't want to discredit like what anyone else has gone through during COVID. But for me and my house and my family, it was a time of reset. It was a time of reprioritize and refocus. And what's crazy is, is what I experienced after my surgery of getting close to God again had to happen. 
and it happened in 2020 and I got close to God and I had in a world where we didn't know what to expect. I had so much peace. Mm -hmm. I had so much peace for my family, for my, my upcoming child. Like I just knew that this is the season for me and I can only do that through God, which was not my mind frame before my mind frame of every time I got God was trying to warn me every time I had a crash and a burn, he was trying to, to warn me, but I had to see it for myself. Just like Paul had to get those scales off his eyes. I had to get my eyes opened up to what I was really doing to myself and to my family. And I'm so thankful for my roller coaster of a story because God has worked and moved so powerfully in my life since 2020. He's always been working powerfully because he's been protecting me all the way. But he's he's uh, really been moving powerfully as I have grown closer to him. So that's something I want everyone to be encouraged who's listening. You may have battled insecurity and maybe you have battled pride. But if you can get in your secret place, get in a place of intimacy with God and the Holy Spirit, it can help you break off those insecurities and break those that pride off of your life. And he will do it, but he can only do it if you draw close to him. If you continue to walk in your own way, you're going to walk down that same pathway on that same roller coaster. So any of you who are feeling that roller coaster, maybe not exactly that roller coaster I talked about, your own roller coaster, whatever that looks like for you, intimacy with God, get in space with him, get into his word, pray, worship him. He's going to start breaking off those chains. Mm. And for me, that's what's been happening in my life. He's been breaking off the chains of what I ultimately walked through. And during my rebellion period Mm. from him, I rebelled and I opened up myself to sin. I opened up myself to things that I shouldn't have done. If I was closer to God, I wouldn't have walked down that rebellious path. But hey, I'm here now and he's still continuing to work through me and renew me and transform me. See, I'm listening to you and I can understand what you're saying. I know what it feels like for God to bring me from a really messy spot. The words you used, I think, were tear down, right? Like, he needed to tear me all the way down to rebuild me. Mm -hmm. And I know what that Mm -hmm. feels like because I feel like I have experienced that as well. But I also, like, you guys, you can't see us right now, but we're on Zoom. (laughs) We're not in person. I also want to give you, like, a virtual hug (laughs) and just extend some grace because Mm -hmm. that was hard. Mm -hmm. That was hard. And I think... A lot of times when, not when we're on the other end, because, you know, that process is, Kat said it best in her first episode, like we're Mm -hmm. never going to be the oil. We're never going to be on the other side. But Mm -hmm. when we're walking much closer, Mm -hmm. it's really easy to look back at our old lives Mm -hmm. and just tear it up, right? Mm -hmm. Just say, gosh, what were you doing? You were so stupid. I don't know. Have all of this negative self-talk and these negative thoughts about ourselves. But Mm -hmm. we know that God can actually bless any any road we take right we mm-hmm. wish sometimes like we think of it like two paths i could have taken road a or road b and mm-hmm. you know wish i would have taken road b but actually mm-hmm. there's so much he did through mm-hmm. road a he met you there even mm-hmm. the people you were meeting even mm-hmm. though 
you know, you felt like you shouldn't have been there in places. Mm -hmm. I know there were -hmm. were redemption stories that came out of those friendships. And so I just, like Mm -hmm. I said, want to send a little virtual hug. Like you Mm -hmm. made connections where Mm -hmm. people can go to you now for encouragement in Christ. And you were in the trenches with a lot of us. So Mm -hmm. I want you to kind of rewind Mm -hmm. for those three years right there. Mm -hmm. You said from 2016 to 2019, because Mm -hmm. although it isn't a fun time for you to remember now that it's come and gone, there were a lot of important things that happened. So first receive my virtual hug because (laughs) I, as a fellow person who can be hard on myself, as Mm -hmm. I was listening to you, I'm just like, man. We do have to have those moments with ourselves, but also like we would mm-hmm. be amiss to not highlight mm-hmm. the good mm-hmm. things that happened in that time mm-hmm. too. So you get this mm-hmm. major surgery. Walk us a little bit through the yeah. recovery. What was going mm-hmm. on for you at that time? Yeah. Wow. Thank you for the virtual hug. I <laughs> you know, I needed it because yeah. I can, you know, we can all have that tendency to look at the negative, to look at those moments that we're not shining, right? Mm. Not shining moments in our life. And for any of you that are maybe in that space where you're like, oh, my life is not shining right now either. It's okay. And there's beauty in it and God's going to bring beauty out of it. And that's exactly what he did in my life. And you're so right. Like those, you know, I had those three years where it was the up and down and there was a lot going on in my life, but God has used it all. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just so thankful to him. So right after my surgery, I, you know, it was a recovery process. I'm dating my now husband at the time. And this is, it's serious. It's like, Mm -hmm. kind of. I mean, I'm out on the table for 16 hours. I have a big wound on my back. I can't lay on my back or my front. I'm in, I'm in a place of severe pain. I have a lot of nerve pain that came because it was a nerve tumor. So I'm having shooting pains in my leg that are causing me to just kind of have to rely on God in those moments to get through. Um, and I think that's where I was kind of sharing like my reprioritizing because when your yeah. health gets affected, it's like, there's so much more to life mm-hmm. than the life I'm living right now. Yeah. And it was a start. It was a turn. Like it was a turn in that right direction. Right. But with my surgery, I also had lost a lot of weight and I got, my body got to a place where I actually started to accept it. I, mm. I liked the way I looked. I felt good about myself. Yeah. I had always had a little bit of challenge with weight. Well, one, because of eating patterns, but the other one is I had a big nerve tumor probably since like, they mm. said it was probably there since like high school wow. <laughs> or childhood. And it was a nerve. It was a, something that just kept growing and growing because it was a nerve that didn't know what it wanted to be. So it just mm. kept growing. It was very bizarre, right? The nerve tumor board was actually very impressed with my nerve tumor size because they'd never seen one that really big before. But anyways, wow. don't yeah. want to brag about my nerve tumor. <laughs> It was big. Uh, so it was, it was likely big. sticking out like in, in the yes. tummy area. Absolutely. Okay. And I'm like, I never could get a flat tummy. But after mm. my surgery, I actually got pancreatitis too. So with pancreatitis, you can't eat big meals. You can't eat fat. Wow. So I had to literally eat like a bird. And it got my body to a place where I felt like, wow, I, I look good. Wow. Um, and that built up my my pride again that I'm like wow I finally look the way I want to I can wear the clothes I'd like to which Mm. encouraged me to continue to be in those spaces right those spaces where I felt good about myself and I'm finally feeling bold I'm finally feeling confident Mm. 
in a, in a new level, but that was my pride continuing to build. So just this mix of like going through a life change, feeling good about myself. There's just so much going on emotionally yeah. at that time, but also, I also had a lot of good things going for me at that time, dating my husband. We got engaged in that same year. Yeah, we got engaged in that same year. Wow. So after my surgery and recovery, we got engaged, starting to plan a wedding, got married in 2017 on my parents' property. There's, there was so much beauty in that season of life, and God continued to bring life during that time too. Even though there was a lot of darkness, there was a lot of light too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the darkness that I had let in was interfering in my mm-hmm. life, in relationships, in connections. I would say even like in my job in some ways, just mm-hmm. me not being genuine, me mm-hmm. not being that genuine person who I used to be. And you know what's funny is actually later on in your and I conversations about reflecting, you had told me. Like you didn't, almost didn't recognize me in that period of my life. I don't know if you want to share more about that, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. I, yeah. Well, all to what you're saying, I think I shared a little about, a little bit about like just the wedding season. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in Anastasia's episode and that can be a time for a woman that really the enemy can seep mm. into if, if we're not guarding our hearts. And what comes okay. with that is yeah. a, a lot of celebration of us, right? Essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, it's supposed to be of our, our love and our marriage and a covenant that we make with our husband. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times that spotlight gets put on us. And yeah. secondarily, what can come with that is a lot of attention on our appearance, the dresses, yep. the outfits, mm-hmm. the shower, the bachelorette mm-hmm. party, everything is white, which is mm-hmm. like the most unflattering color in the world. <laughs> so our body mm-hmm. needs to look a certain way to be flattering in that color. And for you, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was just a time where someone on the outside, you can tell you were very mm-hmm. fixed on mm-hmm. on your appearance. And I just mm-hmm. never experienced you to be that way. I, yeah. can, I could remember times you coming over to our house in college where we were like, we'd do your makeup and like help you do your hair and <laughs> yeah, like yeah, get yeah. dressed and stuff. It. But it was from such a cute, like genuine place of yeah. like, we didn't have plans. So you didn't have clothes and we would all, that's yeah. just like what girls do. We all lived yeah. together. There was seven of us living in a two story house. And, and that was like, we all did that with each other, right? Like, what do you have? Mm-hmm. Can I wear these shoes? You grab this skirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was from such a, mm-hmm. such an innocent place of like, let me help you with mm-hmm. your makeup. I want to do yeah. your hair. And that fast forward, you know, Mm -hmm. X amount Mm -hmm. of years later during this season now that is supposed to be focused on the bride. It wasn't coming from like a cute and and sweet, innocent place anymore. It was like, Mm -hmm. my hair needs to be perfect. I'm Mm -hmm. wearing this outfit. I looked amazing Mm -hmm. in this. You wear that. I'm wearing this. And we're just like, Sienna, this isn't you. Mm Yeah, what's going on? Because I like this is the girl I would love to do her makeup. Mm -hmm. This was so fun for us to like, Mm -hmm. swap clothes and and share outfits and you know, give each other Mm -hmm. hair tips, whatever. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it was like, Mm-hmm. I don't want to say demanding because I don't mm-hmm. think that's your spirit in any way, but it was just from a different place. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you yeah. used the word arrogant earlier mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was from a place that was, I need to look this yeah. way 
or yeah. I need to have mm-hmm. this outfit work for me, this hair work yep. for me, this look work for me, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think I grieved that for a sec, just mm-hmm. as being someone close to you in, mm-hmm. in both those seasons. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. It was that insecurity creeping up where I needed everything to be in the right place so I could continue to feel good about myself it was the found it was the house that I had continued to build on sinking sand Mm. and that sinking sand was my appearance right that the way I look and what I do it defines me and it's a it's me it is me it's my identity Mm. and I put my identity so much in that and that is a thread that has just followed me through my life that needed to be broken off of my life and I'm just so thankful for friends who were able to be with me through that season and come alongside me and speak life into me to continue to support me through those times because yeah that wasn't me yeah and I am just so even emotional about it because I look back Mm -hmm. and I'm like who was that like that was not where God intended me to be or who he intended me to be and it was it was an attack of the enemy of course I made my own choices we have free will right we make our choices but there was a part of a stronghold in my life that the enemy took hold of and he kept digging he kept bringing those thoughts you know we talk you know with our clients about intrusive Mm. thoughts insecure thoughts can be intrusive too it Mm. it can be like that constant need of again affirmation acceptance I keep going back to that I know I've said that a lot but it was so real in my life yeah that was that's what I was going through at that time and there was beauty that came from it again my marriage and just a a journey and there was those good moments where you know I'm in space with God in 2018 I I'm at a conference and I'm just praying to God like reaching out like God I want to feel you I want to experience you because that little girl who saw and felt Jesus with me I would always go back to that's who I was right that's what God intended me to feel is that peace and I'm just so thankful to him for bringing it back to me so yeah I'm 2018 I'm just like God like I can't I could have these breakdown moments right and I'm like God I I just want to feel you again I want to know you're here and so we were worshiping and I was praising him and I was lifting him up and I knew about gifts of the spirit and I had asked God I just want to know your presence and I want to know you're real. And I knew about like speaking in tongues as a gift and I had never seen it, didn't know anybody who had had that gift. And so I asked God, I'm like, God, if you would give this to me, I just would know you were real. It It wasn't from the best intention, but God still blessed that moment because he knew there's a plan and purpose for my daughter's life. And I'm going to touch her right now. I'm going to give her this experience because I know it's the breadcrumb she needs that's going to lead her back to me. It's so beautiful, right? As I'm praising, I'm worshiping God. And I just hear like in my spirit, just lay down, lay down. And I just felt 
a peace that passes understanding. It says in the Bible, he's going to give you peace. He gave me peace that day. And I don't know if any of you have had or known people that have had experiences like that, but um, they call it like being like slain in the spirit, like a charismatic Pentecostal type of term. But it's just when God, the Holy Spirit just falls on you so heavy that you just feel his presence. And I couldn't move and I didn't move for an hour. And my jaw was chattering and I was just in God's presence. I was back in his throne room where I was supposed to be all along. And so he gave that to me. And then from there, I was able to, um, in my prayer language and just um, speak in tongues through my prayer life. And that's really built me up. And it, it's a, like I said, it's the breadcrumb that I needed to keep me going on that path of finding God again in the right way. Yeah. For, well, first of all, that's beautiful. And to see you become emotional, I think is just a testimony to what God can do and how he meets us and in the peace that he gives us. I want to have you break it down a little for yeah. us because sure. for those of you listening that were like me and says, what on yeah, earth? Right. So literally what on Absolutely. actual earth? What does that mean? Pentecostal charismatic two words yeah. that yeah. you used. Yeah. Was that your background? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in more of like, okay, we're talking denominations, right? Yeah. So a more of a cessationist type of view, like that the gifts of the spirit, cessationists do believe in the divine sovereignty of God. So they believe God can heal, they can believe God can do anything. But there is a, a break in, in feeling like there's no modern day apostles, there's certain things that did not continue. There were things that Jesus left the early church to build the early church up and then some of those things cease. So that's why they might call it cessationist, right? So my family was was rooted in that. That's why mm. there was a lot of legalism, which I didn't mm. get into, but I had a lot yeah. of legalism. Like you have to follow the rules. You can't do this, right. you can't do that. Right. You all you kids know who were in that life, you couldn't watch the Friday the thirteenth. You couldn't um, watch certain <laughs> Disney movies. <laughs> like, okay. I am so thankful now knowing what I know that I wasn't allowed to watch those things, but it was like, you can't do it without the explanation, right? right. So I, I grew up in that legalistic type of culture, which directed me to the rule following, right? Which God broke that off my life. Thank you, Jesus. But so we have um, some differences in opinions, right? God can move and work within any dom denomination. But for me, I had that experience as a child where I saw and felt God. That was a very supernatural experience. And I didn't see that in the church. And mm. that's part of why I didn't get invested in the church. I didn't see what was mm. happening in the Bible in church. I didn't see a community of believers praying and believing for healing and believing that these things could still happen. And so that's pretty discouraging when you're supposed to try to follow the law without actually utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, it's not possible. Like, you need the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to give us the Holy Spirit because we couldn't fulfill the law. People kept messing up in the Bible, <laughs> right? Like, everyone was messing up. That's why Jesus had to come because yeah. he knew we couldn't do it on our own he yeah. had to come to redeem us and save us from our sins because we're all sinners yeah so a charismatic position charismatic cares uh, it speaks of the gifts continuing in today into today so the gifts like discerning of spirits prophecy 
healing gifts, uh, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I can't remember exactly where in the Bible, but it like lists them out Mm -hmm. that those things still happen. And speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues are also a gift. And I wanted that. I always was like, it's in the Bible. Why isn't it happening? So I, I sought that. And the good thing about God is it says in the Bible, ask, seek, and knock. And he will give it unto you um, if it's his will to do so. So he let me have a taste of that in my experience um, because he knew that's what I needed. So that's a little bit of my viewpoint, which is important for the listeners to know. Because I do, I come from a more charismatic Mm -hmm. and Pentecostal meaning like when Pentecost happened in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fell um, in tongues of fire. And if you read the Bible, there's some weird stuff happening, right? There's some different type of things happening that are very supernatural. And so I totally believe in those supernatural experiences, the healings, the casting out of demons, um, all of those things it says in the Bible. Yeah, I got to ask for for the, the me's out there that when she started telling me this, I'm like, interesting okay okay I don't know what any of this means Um, my background was very different and I was very confused and so context is helpful so thank you for that yeah as you're talking about legalism you continue to say a rule follower and for a short second I just want to talk about the difference of the fear of God Reverential Mm -hmm. fear of God and being afraid to break a rule. Yeah. Talk about the difference there. Because those aren't the same thing. Pride is fueled up when we can say, I didn't break all of these rules, but, but that's, that's for you. That's, that's not for God. And that's different than the fear of God. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just Mm -hmm. wanted you to talk about that for a sec. That's good. Yeah. When you have the fear of God in you, like God is so big and he's so He's a father, right? Just like a child, there's moments of discipline. There's moments where we need to learn from our mistakes and our failures. And so part of Jesus coming is he gave us that grace. He gave us that space to make mistakes, to not condemn ourselves, right? But when we look at like rules and when we fear God, we actually want to do what he says and we want to walk in his way we want to be obedient because we're in relationship with him when you you can't follow those rules if you're not in relationship with him it's not going to come from the right place like you said it's not coming from the right source Mm -hmm. it's coming from that that place of pride but when you're walking with god there's the crushing that happens and it's a surrender that has to happen and that's why i love the name of your podcast (laughs) from olive to oil Cause it's a crushing that happens. Mm-hmm. And from that crushing of the olives comes the oil, which is the anointing. It's the power of God to protect us, to allow us to move and work within the Holy spirit in the direction that God wants for us. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's so much bigger now. Like it's so much deeper than just following the rules. I don't even think about the rules anymore yeah. because I live within God's presence. So he gives me convictions 
and what my convictions are might be different than what your convictions are and other mm-hmm. believers convictions are because there is freedom in the gospel there's freedom in what Jesus came to do to break that law that religiosity mm-hmm. that religious spirit off the church he came to break that and you see that continuously in Jesus's ministry he's constantly rebuking the Pharisees and Sadducees who mm-hmm. were the rule followers mm-hmm. right and it's so amazing to see that in the Bible and then see how that works in your own life and yeah. be like, break that religiosity off of me, God. I need your will. I need your way. And in that surrender, he's going to give you those tuggings, those convictions. And just an easy example would be yeah. alcohol, right? An easy example in the Bible, it talks about drink and be merry, right? Jesus drank wine, all of those things for me in my life. I don't have a healthy relationship with alcohol from my past. So it's a conviction for me. I need to walk and step away from that in this season of my life. It might not be like that forever, but I need to because that's where God has humbled me to that place of you don't need that alcohol. You need my power from the Holy Spirit. Taste Mm -hmm. and see that he is good and he is going to give you the living water. And for me, I have that living water that is in my life now that what the alcohol was trying to do and being my source is no Mm. longer my source. I am walking in in his way and he, I have fountains of living water flowing through me and Mm. it's knowing the Bible. It's knowing his promises that way when those hard seasons, it's like, I know the promise God has for me. I'm going to continue to bring myself low and be his servant and serve him. And if that looks like this and somebody else, it doesn't look like that for them, that's okay. Like, it's so beautiful how God uses us so differently because yeah. we are the hands and the feet. We, we are the body of Christ. And so I, that's a part of my life now is trying to step into my gifting, trying to help encourage others to step into uh, their giftings so that it doesn't feel like, oh, Christianity doesn't feel boring anymore. It's not boring. It's fun. Mm. I love it. Mm. It's like, never boring (laughs) never boring yeah yeah and that is that is so cool to have been able to witness you grow in you know what you are called to do not to be in all the other lanes that everybody else is called to do and overextend yourself but to really work in your own calling yeah thank you and I'm so grateful for that but I had to go through what I had to go through to be to that place where you can call me, right? Because I want to be that person because I've been there. I've done that. So if you're hearing anything tonight about judgment, about Mm. a criticalness towards a certain lifestyle, I don't want you to walk away feeling that way because that's my story and that's what God brought me through. Just know that God has a plan for you. And if there are certain things in your life separating you from him that the devil is going to use that and he is going to use that to make it that separation a wide chasm because Mm. if he can keep you away from god if he can keep you so caught up in your own self your own issues your own challenges and you're not including god in that then he can keep you actually not walking in the promises that god has for your life 
So I did want to take this time to share a little bit more about my my story, my journey to freedom. And, you know, I've had some spiritual warfare just within my my life that was a big part of why things were the way they were at a time in my life. And I had some demonic oppression. And I know that can be scary for people. And it's a big word to talk about demons, but I'm okay with that because I would don't want to be filtered tonight because my experience was very real. And if someone can learn from it, and if you can connect my experience with the Bible, and that helps you in your own life and your own walk with God, awesome, amazing. If this is something you're like, you know, I, I don't know what I believe about that. I'm not mm. sure about that. Absolutely. I get it. I was in that place too. But for me, I was in a place of such desperation that I was meeting and searching for God, um, but I kept finding myself going back into some of these patterns that I was trying to break free from. To the people she was just talking about, I want to say I'm in that place, guys. I am still figuring this out for myself. I don't know um, where I'm at. And I say that just to be A, transparent, and B, to just highlight like the difficulty of being a Christian, the emphasis of this being a journey, something that we're constantly being refined by um, mm -hmm. Christ, right? And I don't know when answers will come for me. I don't know if they will, if that'll be in this lifetime. But I, like I said, want to share that to say you are not alone if this is like, yeah. what, mm -hmm. what on earth is she talking about right now? Because yeah. that was me, A, the first time I heard this story is. And if I'm being 100% honest, that continues to be me. So yes, I am joining you in. I don't know where I stand, what I believe, still trying to figure that out. But I think the beautiful thing about this space that I wanted to create was where all people of all backgrounds can come and and share Sienna said unfiltered so if this feels scary or difficult to listen to I'd, I would uh, say probably in in the episode here if you are intrigued interested or this um this is more accurate to your background or where you are at in discerning the gifts of the spirit I would say continue on but anyway Wanted to throw that out there as a disclaimer and kind of my hope that all people can share who love Jesus and be loved on here and feel welcome. So handing it back over to you, C. Yes, that's so beautiful, Savannah. We're all on different walks in our journey. And had you, had I told myself this story and what I'm about to share with you uh, 10 years ago, I would have thought I was crazy, right? And that's okay. And I'm okay with that because I, have experienced so much freedom in what God has brought me through. So I am going to share a little bit about some demonic oppression. Um, I was having some nightmares, uh, sleep paralysis. I was having some things that I feel like a lot of Christians deal with, but we just think, oh, I'm dreaming. I'm just, that's just happening in my life, right? It's something that I just wake up and I keep going. Um, I would have sleep paralysis to the point where I was getting choked. I would at times see certain things in my room. And so this was a very real reality to me that I didn't know could, was spiritual. And I had a friend who was sharing with me a, a little bit about what she was learning about Christians and, and, or just demons and how demons can influence and impact our lives. And so she was sharing with me and she um, told me a little bit about it and gave me some resources for that, some books and some videos that I could watch about Christians um, having 
demonic oppression. And I never thought, oh, I might need that too. Um, but as I'm reading, as I'm learning, as the Holy Spirit is revealing new things to me, I am recognizing, okay, there are some things happening in my life. These nightmares are not from God. This continual judgmental, prideful pattern, this is not from God. And so I um, started to try to like figure out, okay, is there something spiritual going on? So I ended up, my mom came over and I had a four month old at the time. And I went upstairs to just pray. My mom was getting ready to watch my son. And so I'm upstairs, I'm praying and I'm just saying, God, if there's anything inside me, if there's any demonic influences or impressions or demons who are oppressing me, they can't stay in my life. Like show them to me, Lord, show the, show me what is in my life that is afflicting me. And as soon as I said that, I said, they cannot stay in my life in Jesus name. Cause that's all I knew to say. Like you have to leave in the name of Jesus. I started getting some choking sensation in my throat and just feeling that like, that's not from me. I'm choking. I'm starting to cough. And so I'm like, okay, God, there's something weird happening. Like Show me what it is, Lord. Help me, God. Because I'm at the place where something is choking me. That's not right. And God doesn't want that for me. Like this needs to, to get out of my life. And so the Holy Spirit started to just kind of work in me and say, I heard pride, which is what we've been talking about all night, right? I heard critical spirit. I heard spirit of fear. So I said, okay, in the name of Jesus, every spirit of pride, critical spirit, every spirit of fear has to come up and out of my mouth right now. And I started shrieking. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Okay, so I, I go get my mom and praise Jesus, it was my mom because she had gone through deliverance herself. I didn't really know about it, but here I am now and I'm like, I have demons manifesting. Like, can you cast them out of me? And she prayed over me and I was, they were shrieking out of me. This was another crushing. This was another part of my story. What I had to be so humble. It says in the Bible, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so we have authority as believers. It talks about in the Bible, how we have authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus is our authority and we have the power to cast out demons. And it talks about that all throughout the gospel. It talks about that all throughout the new Testament in Ephesians six, it talks about, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the unseen world. And so if anything today, if you hear my story and it encourages you, to look into your own life and say, what, did I, what areas of sin did I let into my life? What areas of my life do I need to repent and turn away from? Turn away from that sin and walk towards Jesus. That doesn't mean I, I don't battle with insecurity still. Yeah, absolutely. I battle with it. I battle with pride. But I have power now. I have mm -hmm. power through the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing to see Him as you get in step with Him. And so I just hope everybody is empowered and just can take what you want from my story and say, you know what? Awesome. God did that for her. I'm not sure about it, but I'm glad God did that for her. And we're still brothers and sisters in Christ because mm. at the end of the day, we're all in the same army. Mm. And I am happy to fight along someone who doesn't believe that because that's mm. okay. But for me, it's transformational. But that's, uh, that's a part of my story. And I really appreciate you, Savannah allowing this safe space to share because it can be intimidating for us to really open up and go deep for me to share some really deep things tonight you have created that space it's not about denominations it's mm. about jesus 
And what did Jesus do in your life? Okay, this is what he did in my life. Okay, like we're learning from it. And that's ultimately how we beat the enemy is Mm. the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what it Mm. says in Revelation. Um, I know this is a big topic and I opened a big can of worms. I'm happy to share my email. I have a resource handout. I want to offer that if that's something that anyone and any listener in here is feeling like they want to reach out. I'm happy to be a resource for you to come alongside you. And if I can't come alongside you, to find you a church or somebody who can come alongside you and walk that journey with you. Hmm. So we have talked about a lot. What is some encouragement? Thank you, first of all, for the resources and offering yourself. That is very generous. Um, What is some encouragement you would give to someone who may find themselves in a similar season of just rejection from the world, um, feeling Mm -hmm. like they're fighting a a spirit Mm -hmm. of pride or insecurity? Um, What encouragement would you give them? You're not alone. Mm. <laughs> I I wasn't alone either. I thought I was, but I wasn't. There's yeah. many people going through what you're going through and it's very real. What you're experiencing is very real. And there is hope through Jesus. And it's not going to be like, remember how I said earlier, a genie in the bottle. Like it's <laughs> not that. It's going to be a process. It's going to be you getting in space with Jesus. Give him your burden and he's going to give you take it away from you. Maybe not all at once. Surround yourself with people like me. I have you, Savannah. I have others in my life who build me up, right? Who keep me going and keep me chasing after God. And you need other people to encourage you and mentor you. Like you, I know you had a guest one who's a mentor, like looking for that in your life too. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up with three questions. I ask everyone on the podcast, AKA three things I have to know about all my friends. So first, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I did want to be a mom. I didn't know about a career. Like I knew I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what, but I knew for sure I wanted to be a mom. So I think someone already said that, but (laughs) me too. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) I love it. Okay, um, number two, what is a song that could instantly put a smile on your face? Oh, I'm capping everyone else's, but Jaira. Okay, I was going to say, if it's Love Shack, I swear, that's been no, a repeat. No, that's hilarious. Yeah, no. Jaira, no, it's so good. I love it. It was there with me and like through the mm. seasons I've been sharing you. It just, it's a deep song. Like, yeah, it was so good. I love it. Okay, and last but not least, what is your favorite way to use olive oil? Favorite way, so I get a spray can from uh, Trader Joe's. So it sprays, I use it for my eggs, my vegetables. I was gonna also use that I like olive oil and balsamic vinegar with my bread, but that one also got taken. So I'm like, (laughs) it's okay. I I use the can spray and it's it's wonderful. So olive oil in every shape and form is good. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you, C. It was just so good to to kind of look back at your life from a rear view. I also feel super um, blessed that I got to see a portion of that. Mm-hmm. I know we didn't meet, obviously, until college. Um, but from there on, we have walked a lot of life closely together. We didn't even mention we lived together for a few of these seasons. 
Um, and yeah, so close, <laughs> close proximity. And I think it's super cool just to see yeah. the fruit of everything God has done in your life. Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming on and spending more time with me. This feels like our old Bible study we had in the nocturnal hours of night during the pandemic on Zoom. So it's giving me a little throwback, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. You're such a light. So thanks for sharing with us. Oh, thank you for having me. And I'm just so excited to see where God uses you and takes you with this um, podcast. And I'm just so thankful for all the guests you've had and can't wait to hear uh, the stories that you have to come. <laughs> well, good night, C. We love you. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye.